0: and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today. Have you ever struggled with being the only one and remaining silent when you had a different opinion from the status quo because you believed it would limit your career? Well, in this episode, Merari Simeon shares how she confronted her fears and limiting beliefs that standing up for her values could negatively impact her career. But when she chose to do it anyway and speak up boldly embracing her uniqueness, she discovered that it actually accelerated her success. Meradi Simeon is Vice President of Diversity and Engagement at PepsiCo. She is a wife, mother, co-founder of Color Forward Podcast, a board member, ministry volunteer, and a proven human resources executive with more than 20 years of experience working for various Fortune 100 companies in North America and Latin America. Her leadership expertise includes diversity and inclusion, talent management, leadership consulting, culture change, executive coaching, and public speaking. Merade is currently pursuing her doctorate in strategic leadership at Regent University. She has a master's degree in human resources from Fordham University and a bachelor's degree from the College of St. Elizabeth. She also serves on the Women's Food Service Forum Board of Directors and the advisory board of Back on My Feet. She is a native of Puerto Rico and currently resides in Plano, Texas with her family. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you will find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Miradi. Welcome Miradi. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We're so excited to have you and want to hear all about your story, your journey, and any kind of lessons that you learned along the way that our audience can glean and learn from. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be on here and I'm looking forward to sharing my experience uh, with the listeners. Nice. So, as I mentioned, you have a, um, you know, unique background, uh, multicultural background from Puerto Rico, um, and you have really been successful in the corporate space. Um, And share with us a little bit about, you know, what were some of the challenges that you faced through your journey, being female, being Latina, and all the beautiful things that come with the intersectionality of being you?
1: Yes, I I would say that uh, it started early on, right? When I first moved here, when my parents moved here from Puerto Rico to Chasing the American Dream, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say the first thing that I encountered for the first time in my life, I think I was 11, 12 years old, I realized or people made you feel different, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say started really early in my life and that has helped me. Into what I am today and what mm-hmm. I do today with work. So, let me give you some specifics. Mm-hmm. So, moving here, not knowing the language, right? Feeling outcast. Uh, Because you didn't know the language, because Mm -hmm. the people didn't look like you, um, teachers uh, didn't really have your best interest. Mm -hmm. All that, unfortunately, carried out into the corporate world. Mm. And when you still look around you, and even as you and I or anyone still... listens, there is so much unconscious bias going on. That was happening back then mm-hmm. when I first moved to the United States. And unfortunately, it is still here in corporate America, right? You still mm-hmm. have people that look at you because you have an accent that you're not smart enough. Others that Uh, You have leaders who do not have the best interest for you, Mm -hmm. but then again, you do have some, um, fortunately, like it happened in my case uh, when I was younger, that a teacher did see my potential and saw something bigger in me. There are some leaders out there that Mm -hmm. uh, have done that for me in my career, Mm -hmm. and I would say it's been their sponsorship, Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that has helped me, and they have been the, the the ones that have helped my career move, moved up. Um, Mm -hmm. sponsorship has just been so critical in my career. Can I do the job? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I did, and I still do being that I'm a woman and woman of color and what the numbers show, I still need sponsors to be there and open those doors for me. And, uh, that's what I, that's what I do now for others. Mm But, uh, to answer your question, that probably has been one of the biggest obstacles that I faced coming mm-hmm. into the United States, but also one that uh, we all continue to face, um, whether it's in our jobs or in the supermarket or, you mm-hmm. know, on a phone call, it's, it's something that hasn't gone away and I don't see it going away anytime soon.
0: No, absolutely. I can 100% attest to the fact that um, the sponsors who have kind of um, stuck their neck out and uh, were the ones who were pounding the table for you behind closed doors when you're not in the room are the ones who certainly helped, um, you know, really kind of accelerate uh, career success. And I think it's really important for women to understand the difference between mentors and sponsors. Can you share a little bit about? Uh, you know, your sponsors who have helped you um, and the difference between a mentor who you may go to and kind of like, you know, air your dirty laundry and saying, I've messed up, I did this. But, you know, how do you position yourself for a sponsor so that they can feel very confident in putting their, their neck out for you? Absolutely. I believe that sponsors have to be intentional
1: Um, Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is these may be people, or for me, speaking about me in my Mm -hmm. life, that that person is not somebody that I may talk to every day, but they're aware Mm -hmm. of my potential. They're Mm -hmm. also aware of my capabilities and are the ones that many times... I may not even know about it, but for example, in a corporate environment during a people planning sessions, they're the ones saying, "Hey, take a look at Merari for this role, right?" Mm-hmm. Or they're the ones that uh, early on in in my career, I had a sponsor who took the time and said, "Hey, I am going to sit. I'm going to help you with this. You're going to be successful." Not only what did that person get the right mentors around me, but mm-hmm. then that was the person who opened up the doors for mm-hmm. me. Um, for because they sponsors are in a position of power. They sit around the table when decisions are being made about your career. Mm -hmm. And if they're not intentional about opening doors for you, then doors will open and close and your name will never be mentioned at the table. So that is to me the biggest difference. Uh, And that is where I saw the sponsorship. And again, I've been very fortunate it started since high school when my high school teacher took the responsibility to speak to the corporation that I was going to work for at the time, mm-hmm. and she opened those doors for me. She mm-hmm. she's like, "Hey, she may not have everything that you're looking for, but this is the potential. This is what she has, and I am putting you know my name on it." Sometimes that's what it takes. Um, one mm-hmm. of the things that I see or I come across in the corporate environment is they may say, "Hey." Um, this person doesn't have the experience, but do they have the potential? I think Mm. sponsors need to look at the potential. Let me tell you why. You you can see the data, you can see the numbers uh, specifically. I'm going to specifically talk about Latinos right now, Mm -hmm. but you can see that Many of us are not in higher level positions. Why is that? It's not because we're not smart. It's because we have not been given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to compare me to another pool of people who have gotten um, the experience? But just give me a chance. Give mm-hmm. me a chance, and I will show you that I can do it. And many times do it better. So that's to me is what I what I mean when I when I say a sponsor. And at least for me, that's what I do when I sponsor other people is I look at their potential and I open those doors for for them uh, because I have no doubt that they can do it mm-hmm. based on their proven performance. It is really the doors that need to be open.
0: Mm, that's critical information. So <clears throat> help our audience understand. So as, as you mentioned, community and your network and sponsors are so extremely important in helping you kind of um, accelerate and promote throughout your career. How does someone gain access and proximity to influ- influential leaders that'll help them, uh, you know, get ahead? I mean, you, you know, it's, I try to explain to people, you can't just go to someone and say, hey, will you be my sponsor? How do you earn that trust? Absolutely. I think it starts with um, being strategic mm-hmm. about how do you
1: let these sponsors know the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think many times we all make the Yes, your leader, your manager mm-hmm. uh, should be a sponsor. But I think many of us make the mistake that that is the only sponsor we have. Mm. We're not strategic about how other people find out about our work. Mm-hmm. Um, Some people laugh, but sometimes it, it, you know, the way that I've done it is I may schedule a greet and meet, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hey, I just want to get to know you. And quick 15 minutes, you just let them know some of the work that you've been doing, or Mm -hmm. you find out what are some of the needs that they have and how you can help them. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the biggest assets to me are the uh, administrative support. Mm-hmm. If you have a good relationship ah. with them, you can get into the CFO's on the CFO's calendar, you can yes. get on the CFO's calendar, but if you are not treating um, their administrative support with dignity and the respect that they deserve, you're mm-hmm. not going to get on their calendar. So that has been honestly one of my secret weapons. Mm-hmm. I have great relationships with many of them and uh, I'm sure sometimes their leaders wonder, how did this woman get on my calendar? Uh, mm-hmm. But I get on there, right? So <laughs> uh-huh. you have to be really strategic, and also about the work that you're sharing. Uh, I would also, you got to study. Okay, who is sitting at the table? Mm-hmm. Who's sitting at the table when they're making decisions about your career? You can guess or ask, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you got to do your homework. Once you do your homework, you got to figure out how do you get pieces of information to these leaders, whether it's through their admin, was it? whether it's to another coworker, whether it's through a friend, little pieces. It doesn't have to be a whole presentation so that when your name is called, when they say Mirari, they're like, oh,
0: mm-hmm. I heard of her. Yes, It
1: may just be just that one piece, but you have to be strategic. So to answer your question, mm-hmm. you have to be strategic. And Mm -hmm. you have to really think through the same way that you would think about bringing a product to market is the same way that you think about how do you bring your brand to uh, sponsors. And it can't be one.
0: Figure Mm -hmm. out
1: who's around the table and how you're going to strategically get um, on their calendar for them to know you or for them to hear about you. So that's my secret.
0: <laughs> that's a fantastic analogy of thinking about just like when you're bringing a product to market. How are you marketing it? How are you, how are you packaging it? How are you sharing that? And you have to think of yourself as a product, right? And what it is that you have to offer as well and kind of be able to uh, drop those marketing tidbits, right? So that they have that in the back of their mind. I think that's fabulous. Tell me a little bit about... You came to the U.S., you grew up, um, were your parents, did your parents have a corporate experience or, or are you first-generation corporate? And if so, were there limiting beliefs that you had in terms of the kind of career that you needed to pursue or there was a definition of success that maybe your family or the cultural, social, you know, the, the societal norms were telling you? And how did you, how did you break through those boundaries? Oh, great question. Um, So I'm the daughter of two
1: hardworking blue-collar parents, and um, none of them graduated high school. So I was the first one to graduate college, as well as the first one in corporate. Mm -hmm. Um, I have three brothers and a sister, so there's five of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, there were no role models for Mm me and moving, especially moving to, to the United States, there were really no role models. And society at the moment wasn't, and still is today in many ways, not very welcoming of differences, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in Including teachers, as I mentioned, which is the only access that you have outside mm-hmm. of your parents at the moment. Right. Uh, so there were m- many uh, unlimited beliefs that Still to today um, haunt me, I would mm-hmm. say. And they come in different ways and at different times. So mm-hmm. let me let me give you some examples. So I would say, even speaking, right? One of the things is, hey, you don't we don't understand you or your mm-hmm. accent. That's a limiting belief that I would say probably almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. If you look me up, I was in no stage. I was nowhere around. You didn't hear about Medari. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this limiting belief that I couldn't get my point across, that I wasn't smart enough. And uh, believe it or not, that I didn't really have anything that would benefit anyone. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was I was at a conference and I was speaking to somebody else and I was like, man, I'm so tired. There's no Latinas on stage. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, why not you? And I was like, ooh, why not me, right? Right. So it wasn't until then. Now, I I do got to tell you, the limiting beliefs I think will always be there and Mm -hmm. they always translate into fear, Mm -hmm. right? Fear that I'm not going to be relatable, fear that I'm not going to get my point across, fear that I can't speak English well, um, fear that somebody there is going to be better than me. Mm -hmm. So I I believe I always struggle with different limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. However, the key to moving forward is that I acknowledge the the fear that those limiting beliefs bring, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And what I try to do is I, I take fear for the ride. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yes. You know, um, mm-hmm. so, and, and why do I say that? I say that so that it doesn't catch me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Right? So I know whenever I'm going to get on stage or I'm going to have a, uh, or, or speak to people, okay, I know my accent is probably going to come out um, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm a little nervous. Okay, I know that. I acknowledge mm-hmm. it. I'm fearful of that. But is that going to be the end of the world? So I kind of have like my own little conversation in my head. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but I, th- I take it for a ride, and I just do not let it be the one, the driver, right? Mm-hmm. You want to hang out with me, cool, but you're going to go in the back seat, or you're going to be in the passenger <laughs> seat, but you cannot be the the driver. And um, and I always go back to remembering something my mother told me. It's like you 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 were made w- with a courageous spirit, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of a sound mind. Mm-hmm. And the reason I love that is because it also says sound mind. Mm-hmm. And when you are fearful of something mm-hmm. and you try to hide it, a lot of times when we make decisions like I was, right? I'm not going to mm-hmm. be in front of people. I'm not going to put myself, myself in a position where I'm going to look like a fool. Nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. But when you acknowledge it and you know, calm those fears, I feel that I have a more of a sound mind, that I can make better decisions, that I can Mm -hmm. take more calculated risks, that I can go on stage, or that I can go for that degree, or I can go for that job interview, or whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. it's not just about being courageous and uh, overcoming fear. Mm -hmm. It's about bringing that sound mind that's going to help you, Mm -hmm. you Br- take that fear for a ride because the reality is that's just how we're made. We we, we are going to be fearful of things and that's mm-hmm. okay. It's just, do you let fear rule you or you know do you kind of, who's the boss? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> La jefa. The boss. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> I, I think that's beautiful. And I love that you said you have to name it Acknowledge it and, and then tell it to take a back seat and, and just keep moving forward. I think that's that's a beautiful way of telling everybody that <clears throat> you're in charge. You're in charge and you, you have the aptitude and the capability to get your message across. And um, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think the one thing too is I always learn to, to flip it, uh, flip the fear of, you know, am I going to be... It, like you said, I have an accent. I see it as that it's an advantage because you have people's, you've captivated their attention because they're listening to you twice as hard and then they really will hear your message. So um, it's one of those things to know that you have an amazing message to share and you now have a tool where they're just going to listen harder to you. So it's a it's a, a win-win for both. Love I love that. That's, that's awesome. Um, tell me a little bit about you know, what was your path in your career? How did you gain clarity on your career path? And um, how did you identify your superpowers? Sure. I think um, my career chose me.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, I started out as I mentioned, uh, in high school, working in, in human resources and not having any role models, I'm like, oh, well, this seems good, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I just learned to love it. And I think it goes into, it awakened my superpower that I was not aware of it mm. um, at the time. And it, it started early in my career but I didn't discover it till later, if that makes Mm. sense. Mm -hmm. And one of the things um, that I believe is is my superpower now when I I look back is my ability to put others first Mm -hmm. and to think about others' needs. And the reason I say that is because that's what that teacher showed me early on. And -hmm. this is why any teacher that's listening, you have the power to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, raise great leaders in in this world, but Mm -hmm. that's what she showed me. She put me first. And ever since I've always worked that way, kind of like, what are their needs? What is it that they need? And I found that as a leader, being able to help other people find their own superpower, Mm -hmm. because I'm able to whether it is um, help them see those limited beliefs that, mm-hmm. and how they can turn that you know mm-hmm. for the good, helping them see that that to me is what I believe is is the um, it's my superpower uh, mm-hmm. because what I found is when I do that with whether it's an individual or within teams, they're able to perform at their best. They. Mm-hmm. Are able. I'm able to gain their trust and their loyalty, and they become better, better people overall. Mm-hmm. And to me, being being able to see them suc- even succeed me, right, mm-hmm. and move on to bigger roles, it it's, it just fills me up with joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I say HR chose me, it, it did. But at the same time, I think it you know, awakened who I already was, right? Mm, I, right. I always cared about the other person, um, but now I'm in a leadership position where I don't only have to care; I can actually make things happen for them, so that they're able to to be their best and do their best and give them those opportunities. That's how I would describe um my superpower. Actually I tell my daughter all the time, she's like, Well, what are you doing, mommy? I said, Well, I'm gonna go and help people find their power because you know, you and I already found ours. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> what I tell her. I'm like, that's what I do. I help people find the power that they already have within them. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, through my story or through being able to see that potential because I seek that. I'm like, what what is it about that person that is so special? Because I think we were all created with Mm -hmm. something special and a strength. We all have a strength. Mm -hmm. However, in society, at work, in life, we always concentrate so much on building on our opportunities that we forget that we have a strength there that we can use it today and just shine. That's right, remarkable. Without any struggle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to, to show that to somebody mm-hmm. sometimes makes the biggest difference in the world for them. Um, because all they ever heard was, you're not good enough. And yet, here you're doing something that it's natural to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, can, you can shine without struggling. So that's what I feel is my superpower, <laughs> is being able to, to help others see the best in them.
0: That's amazing, and I'm glad you are using that superpower to unleash others and yes. uh, and foster their power and harness their power and letting them know that they can accomplish anything that they put their minds to. Um, speaking of superpowers and leveraging superpowers, um, <clears throat> as you and I both know, you know, kind of growing up in corporate space and. Uh, having, you know, these cultural, sometimes nuances that play out um, in terms of deference to authority um, and sometimes, you know, playing too much to the rules. Um, Can you tell me maybe a situation or an instance where maybe you've broken the rules and then been have surprised, you know, surprised yourself that it actually got you further than kind of towing the line? Yes. Uh.
1: You know, uh, I think sometimes you just, um, you have to do what you know is right Mm -hmm. Um, for not just for the other individual, for yourself or for even the organization. I think sometimes people, because of the environment, people see only through one lens and that's the beauty of diversity, right? Mm -hmm. You come in and you see things differently and you're able to elevate um, things. So I would say it started again in in early my career, but personally, I would say one was moving away from from home. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely a rule breaker. You know, nobody mm-hmm. nobody uh, at least in, in the way I grew up, you don't leave right. your parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't leave. Uh, Same you don't here. Leave that. Yeah, I left. I think I had my first apartment at 17 and I have Mm -hmm. roommates and all that stuff. But to me, I needed to escape um, Mm -hmm. where I was. And at the moment, I, you know, I wanted to escape poverty. So I had a why. So let me start by saying that my why at the time was escaping poverty. That drove me to break rules. Mm -hmm. Um, One was obviously, you know, leave the house. The second one was, you know, get a college education the third one was move away from at the time, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. so the the, uh, the fourth one was, you know, I was the only one in the family not married. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got married at thirty eight and had my first child at forty. Mm-hmm. So people, this was all breaking the rules according to norm, mm-hmm. to society, mm-hmm. right? right? So when you look at it that way, those were things that I needed to do in order for, number one, my career, to, to escalate, to go higher, right, as well as for personally, for me to see, uh, what I can do right, and how much more, um, I can, I can achieve. Right. right. So, so mm-hmm. I would say that from a personal perspective, I needed to go to do something different than what culture was dictating, mm-hmm. what parents were dictating <laughs> and, um, and at the time, what even your own teachers or society was saying, mm-hmm. from a corporate perspective, it's um, one of the things that I've that I've done is I speak up um, a lot of the times where mm-hmm. people do not. It's a different opinion, mm-hmm. and people may not have want to hear it. Um, But what I found is that, and trust me, I've gotten lots of feedback about it. uh, (laughs) But but what I found is that if I didn't speak up, things would have not been done right, or Mm -hmm. people would have missed opportunities. Mm -hmm. And there is... The reason why it's important to sometimes break those rules and kind of speak up and and, um, and go and get and go and go against the status quo is because somebody in that room will listen. Somebody mm-hmm. in that room is is paying attention, um, or will start paying attention. Mm-hmm. But if you don't plant that seed, nobody will ever think about it. So. Right. To be a little bit um, more specific, bef- I now do diversity and engagement, but before that, I always worked in human resources, and I, mm-hmm. I, being the only person at the table with a different point of view, I felt that speaking up sometimes were career derailers, mm-hmm. however- my values Mm -hmm. (laughs) were stronger, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And there were times where I had to make the decision of, do I do the right thing and put my career on the line or do I stay quiet? And uh, every single time that I did the right thing, Mm -hmm. I ended up... um, not losing my career. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and I ended up doing something good, not just for me, but for the company, for the other, or for the individuals that were involved in the conversation. Uh, Is it scary? Yes. Is it um, the norm? Mm -hmm. When you're the only one at the table or the only female or the only person of color? No, because you typically don't see people um, speaking up at the table uh, when you're, you know, when it's a room full of leaders and and you're the only one that's not like them so i I, I had to break those rules early on in in my career mm-hmm. and i I think sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't, but at the end of the day, there was never a time where I felt that I put my values at risk and to me that was more important i think i've I would have been too stressed out if I didn't do what was right uh, at the time. Mm.
0: That is awe-inspiring, and, you know, I hope that our listeners are listening to this and and taking this away as a lesson to empower themselves to speak up, and like you said, at the end of the day, just go with your gut and what's right, and then you, you know, where you're not questioning your values, and um, because I can tell you in my career, there have been moments where, where you sit back in your silence. Uh, it ends up festering in inside you when you knew you should have yes. said something and you didn't. Um, and after a while, it's like, okay, I, the, the best thing to do is just say my piece, say what I have to say, and not have to deal with that guilt that follows you around for for choosing to be silent. Uh, so Absolutely. So I learned very, I have, very on not to do that.
1: And it's, I love what you said because – there is no price in peace and not being able to have peace because you didn't say something. <laughs> it, it's the worst um, yes. because I've been in positions, you know, not always did I speak up. I I, mm-hmm. it, I just realized at one point, like, oh my God, I can't just stay quiet anymore mm-hmm. because that's another thing. I think um, people that know me, I, I carry my emotions on my face. So trust me, I'm like, red, getting ready to blow up, but I'm not saying anything. So it's like, okay, just say it because mm-hmm. everybody knows you have something to say. And I think a lot of the times we wait until we have the perfect words mm-hmm. to say something or speak up. And sometimes we just got to um, just put it out there mm-hmm. and and go with it. Because if we wait to have the perfect words, uh, we will lose the opportunity, lose the that moment to mm-hmm. bring attention to something important,
0: so Mirati, you said some really um, um, some really important things that I want our listeners to take away. Um, you mentioned how you know we myself as a latina um, when we we can wear our emotions on our arms and on our face, <laughs> and people know um, and there's the you know the stereotypical you know, norms that people say, oh, it's the, you know, the the fiery Latina and you and then when you do speak up, you get the feedback of, you know, calmate or <laughs> or, yes. or reel it back oh, a little yeah. bit. Um, and for some people that feedback will will shut them up. And they they will choose to no longer speak up. How have you how have you kind of handled that? How have you have you struggled? Because I know I used to struggle with you know wanting to speak up, then being told to not be so emotional. But it's like it's part of who I am. And then at the end, just saying, you know what, I'm going to be just authentically unapologetic. Um, but I do know that there are some young Latinas coming up in their careers saying, but that's going to slow me down. How did you manage that? Yeah, no, that's a great question.
1: And, and it was definitely something that, that I struggled with and I've gotten better. Um, so trust <laughs> me, I made a lot of mistakes. I, I've, got, I've been pulled to the side, I've gotten that feedback. You're too passionate. You're too emotional about this. Uh, so I have learned. And sometimes feedback is a gift. You just got to take it and figure it out. How do you not lose mm-hmm. yourself, but use it to your advantage so mm-hmm. that you are then again, with that sound mind, being able to to give that feedback at the moment when deep down inside you're burning up, right? And mm-hmm. want to scream. <laughs> uh, but it, it can be. I think it goes back to what's the internal, personal price you're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that, again, I go back to peace. Mm-hmm. And uh, because as you mentioned before, these are things that when you don't make the right decisions, when you don't speak up, they will haunt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's times that I'm like still thinking about something that happened a few years ago. I'm like, oh my God, I, how do I, you know, how do you fix this? So it it goes back to, if this is important to me Okay. Let me take that back. I will pick three or four things, whatever your values are. It's really important for you to assess what those are Mm -hmm. and make sure that whatever it is that you're doing, that you do not compromise them. Mm -hmm. You play around your values, then you can find yourself being consistent about what it is that you stand up for, Mm -hmm. how you act and what do you do. You're you're modeling the way always based on your values. Mm -hmm. Otherwise- you could easily find yourself speaking up for things that don't really make a difference, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so my tool, I would say, is, okay, what are my values? Okay, I know what they are. I stand up for women, right? I I, I want to make sure that, that they're being looked at equally and people of color, you know, so mm-hmm. those things. If there's ever a conversation about how people are being treated uh, unequally, for anybody, not just women and people of color, but Mm -hmm. obviously I'm more passionate about that, Mm -hmm. that I have a responsibility to speak up because that's not something that's going to let me sleep at night. Mm -hmm. Now, there Mm -hmm. may be other things that (laughs) that's fine, but if if it has to do with my values and what I believe in and it's going to keep me up at night, I will tell our listeners and something that I do, I have to speak up about Mm -hmm. it. Now, I have learned, okay, this is like, (laughs) I've learned from my mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, If it is something that is truly, um, your blood is boiling, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that may not be the time to do it. So I have Mm. had um, experiences where I have stayed quiet, but then I have gone directly to that person and talked to them about it. Mm. And I really talked about This is how it made me feel. I always talk about how it made me feel because nobody can argue with my feelings. So this is how it made me feel. And this is where I think we can do better. Mm -hmm. Right. So I've learned because I'm not going to lie to you. There are some times where I'm in a meeting and I'm just like, are you kidding me? I mean, (laughs) like, are we really talking about this? And I just know, Mm -hmm. but this is the good part about, you know, getting older, you get to know yourself. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I know nothing that comes out of my mouth right now. It's going to be good. Um, so let me just step, step back and <laughs> think of something positive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that has worked for me. Is mm-hmm. And I know some people may say, hey, but sometimes you have to make the decision at that time. And this is what I've done. I said, hey, I would like to take some time to think about this. If they say yes, great. If they say no, then okay, let we'll work with that. But there's nothing wrong with saying I would like the time to think about it. I think what you'll find is by the end of the day, or give me two hours or something, but Mm -hmm. you can ask for that. And I think what you'll find is all the other people maybe in the meeting, they may be like, oh yeah, why not, right? Because there is also, um, nobody wants to make those decisions under pressure, especially if it's something that that's important to you. What is not right is if you leave that room and you didn't ask for that extra time and a decision was made Mm -hmm. and you did, and you stay quiet. Mm -hmm. So- Mm -hmm. I, I would never say, stay quiet. I would rather tell you, ask for the extra time. Now, if a decision does need to be made there, take a deep breath and just think of why is this so important to you? Um, it's like seconds, right? Mm-hmm. What's your why? Mm-hmm. And uh, how if this was the one thing that you needed to do to make a big difference, how would it better come across, right? So it's... Mm. It's, it takes work. It takes mm-hmm. practice. When you first do it, it's, it's going to be rough. It's mm-hmm. going to be bumpy. People may look at you like, you know, what did you just say? That's okay. They still look at you that way. Um, that probably <laughs> right. is not going to change. Mm-hmm. But the more you do it, the more practice you get. However, mm-hmm. just to make sure that we're clear, mm-hmm. just know what your values are and be consistent about what you stand up for. If you stand up for everything, they're just going to say, oh, that's just Merari. But if you stand up for your values always, people will know that and people will respect that and you will feel better at the end.
0: That's fantastic. And I think it's just, it's a critically important action that you can take in terms of just taking that breath, taking that time, um, to answer your why, why is this so important, and then being able to share that why with the people on the other side of the table and um and I think that's that's the key thing is that if you can if you can share the why, then they get it um, if, if you don't mind, there's one thing I yeah. would
1: add is I think the other skill that we should practice more is influencing skills, so for example, during a moment like that where mm-hmm. I'm hot and trusting <laughs> happens, I'm just like, "Oh Lord." Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I I try to think uh, like some of my tactics or tools. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, how can I influence this agenda to change it to the way that I mm-hmm. that I think would be best? Mm-hmm. And when I start thinking of how can I influence. I, I, your brain starts working in a different way because it kind of just starts trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do here do there versus just what's going to come out of my mouth? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's like, how do I influence? How do I, what is it that I need to say to get, to convince you that mm-hmm. on what I'm going to say, it's really important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and when I start thinking about that, it helps me reshape almost what I have to say mm-hmm. uh, or what I'm going to say. So influencing is key, whether it's in, you know, in a group of people where you're making a, a decision or whether it's one-on-one, but thinking of what's important to you and how can I say what I'm going to say so that you, know, you want to hear more about it or it calls your attention because it's important to you. Mm-hmm. What, what's in it for them? I, to me, that's really key and it helps me. Calm down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. It helps me calm down because now I'm thinking, okay, that's what they need to know. Now, my challenge to me is how do I say that so it comes across that way versus are you kidding me? You know, (laughs) which is what I
0: really want to say. (laughs) Yes. No, that's excellent advice. Um, so one last question, given that, um, you know, we are experiencing a kind of unprecedented crisis in that, you know, the, the COVID-19 pandemic that's going on and it's kind of turned HR and the world and the corporate world on its head. what is, the, what is the one thing that you are hoping we all learn from this? Hmm. The one thing
1: that I'm hoping we all learn from it is um, to learn to appreciate each other more. Hmm. I think we take the people around us for granted, mm-hmm. whether it's at work or at home. Mm -hmm. and with everything that's going on yes you can think of all the things that need to be done at work but if you really think for one moment what if this epidemic comes to our home Mm -hmm. right Um, so it it puts things in in a different perspective Mm -hmm. and it's not to create fear but to create appreciation for mm. the people at home who support our careers mm-hmm. um, for, you know, the people around us. And I, and I think about it, like, even when I look at my team, is it, I always I like, what is it that they need? What can I do to help support them? Um, they're healthy, but what else can I do? Because I know if it's something that it's in my mind, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be in their mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, again, I go back to the crystal balls, right? Mm-hmm. It, my family, you know, my, my, my family's a crystal ball, right? If that mm-hmm. breaks, forget it, right? If you miss somebody, <laughs> um, my health, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not healthy, I can't support my family and I can't be the best at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it all comes back to me, to my spiritual life. Like how is Merari taking care of herself and, in and believing that, you know, that I can do all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you can't appreciate others, then you're definitely not going to appreciate yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, because you got to look at it from, from that perspective, I think as leaders and, and this happened to me because I care so much about other people's well-beings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Spend so much time caring about that, you know, whether it's my kids, my husband, my my team or work, mm-hmm. that sometimes you forget to care about yourself. And yes. when I say you gotta appreciate others, you gotta appreciate others and what they appreciate and that and what they appreciate many times is you. Mm-hmm. You know, here is me. My kids appreciate me. My husband, I know my team appreciates me. Company appreciates me. And when you really start looking at yourself from other people's eyes, you're just like, whoa. Mm -hmm. I don't. If I don't learn to appreciate others, I don't feel like if I don't appreciate my kids. I know a lot of people are going crazy, and trust me, I am too, because (laughs) you know, working mom and the kids and being a teacher and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But if I don't see through those little eyes that look at me like, I need you then I'm not going to take care of myself, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think a lot of the times we, we, may, we use that as an excuse. Oh, I just care too much about others. Mm-hmm. Well, if you really care about others, then you, then you have to take care of yourself. So I, I think if that's the way, it's, it's, twofold. it's a different way of looking at it because it is important to take care of you. But if you're mm-hmm. one of those like me that is always trying to help other people, mm-hmm. you can't help them if you don't take care of
0: yourself. So look at yourself through their eyes if sometimes looking at yourself is hard. Mm, that is beautiful and extremely profound, thank you so much, Miradi, for um, this phenomenal conversation that we 've had it's it 's been inspiring for me and um, certainly uh, given me the um, it 's rejuvenated kind of my my, uh, my my focus and my energy of just being unapologetically authentic because you are living it and you are leading it and thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com, and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.